Teaching Brood. This is our third episode in our Genius Hour series, and we're going to talk about how you're actually running it after you've set it up in your primary school or elementary school classroom. Yeah, so once you hear part one and part two, uh, which is basically about what it starts to look like um, and how it start, kind of starts to get introduced, then, you were, then you're going to kind of see... Um, the specific lessons that'll help drive it, or the specific ideas about the kinds of lessons, the, the, the methodology of, of, of the day. So, after you've introduced it to your students, then they've got to choose topics. Yep. And figure out what they're going to do. Yeah. And that's going to be the next big step. And the first step I really get them to do is literally create a list. Like, you have, they have a seat up there, they have a seat, open up a genius. By the way, I get them to have a genius hour notebook. I should clarify that. They, you get them to have a genius hour notebook, and they start writing a list of things that they're curious about. For some of them, that's going to be super easy. For some of them, they don't know what to make of that. Um, and the best thing you can do in that situation is ask them what they do in and out of school that they like. What do they talk to their friends about? What do they find most interesting on YouTube? That sort of thing. And eventually you'll get a list of, at the start, five or six things. And you them to start one or two and start to dive into it. Um, the next step in the process really is narrowing the topics. Most of them are going to come up with massive topics. For example, one kid came up with the idea of art. Well, that's pretty huge. And then you start asking, well, what about art? What things in art interest you the most? And then you kind of go, okay, cool. You're most interested in these artists. Okay, cool. Now let's help narrow that even more. What about these artists are more interested? And then you can start narrowing it down to a more manageable topic. And by doing that, you're also getting them to help create, help create questions. And you want to have an overarching driving question for each project, and then a series of guiding questions, questions that will kind of bring them to where they need to be. And that's going to be your starting foundation of any project. Is that so with, with a grade three student, what kind of questions would they actually have? Oh, I mean, the, the, the big question is going to be driven around the word why. So it's not just like, for example, let me take my Pablo Picasso kid. Kid who originally interested in art, then realized they want to study Pablo Picasso. Well, she would ask, the overarching question would be, um, what kind of art did Pablo Picasso make? And why was it, why, and what, what made it so popular? And so her driving questions would be, who was Pablo Picasso? What motivated him as an artist? What made his art interesting? How did he create his art? Um, why was he inspired? And then, after all that was researched, it's what action can I take about Pablo Picasso? Hmm. And those, those, those might seem like big questions, but you'd be surprised when a grade three student can, the potential that any student can have with something, with something like that. Yeah. So, they've got a topic. Yep. They've got some questions. Yep. Then what? Gotta help them research. Gotta, gotta teach them the... How to research. And if you're in a middle school, high school situation, they probably know how. But if you're in uh, grade three and four and five, you probably got to guide them and give them websites like Kittle.co or Google Junior or KidRex um, and guide them towards those sites. And you've got to do specific mini lessons about what is good research, what's bad research, how to how to use the correct keywords when you research, 
Um, it's basically- an excellent time to get your librarian involved. Yes. Uh, it also ends up looking a bit like an informational not, or nonfiction unit. Uh, Eugenius Hour mini lessons do. Because they're going to need the guidance to do that sort of thing, which is just kind of the way it is. A lot of them latch on right away, and a lot of them you'll have to conference with throughout the whole time. Um, and slowly as they go on, you'll need to have, like, what I use is something called the status of the class. And I'll just say each kid's name, and they'll tell me where they are with their work. And some kids, they'll say researching. Some kids, they'll say writing notes. Some kids will say, I'm working on this project for this genius hour. And some of them will just say, I'm starting my new genius. I'm starting a new one. Um, I also begin each class with who needs to present today. And that's got to do with how we present as a kind of class. And I'll add, give five or ten minutes at the end of every genius hour time for kids who are ready to present and are ready to move to a new topic to present. So it's okay that a student doesn't take as long as another student? I think that's natural. I mean, some topics are shorter than others by the very nature. So yeah, and it also differentiates too. You don't want to let a kid, you don't want to have a kid lose a passion for something simply because it's taking too long. Um, you want to guide them through it. And if they're ready to have that project be done, if they, if they produce their project, yeah. So by those standards, then you've got to be ready for this idea that there is no due date on a front. Mm. You can encourage individual students on a due date, encourage individual students to try and wrap one up because you can kind of see their interest waning. And they may just be fighting through it because they think they need to do it. But there's no official due date for, there's no big presentation day for Genius Hour. There's small chunks of time. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of a, a bit of a difference in how that system runs versus other Genius Hour projects and other Genius Hour t- and, other, and other formal work times. So it's possible, like, with older students, yeah. they would have particular checkpoints that they need to um, have something done by. So it may be that the teacher sets out, okay, guys, you should have all of your research done by this point. Potentially. Or you give them... Maybe not. I mean, it's not like... It, well, the difference is it's not a formal unit, so maybe not. Maybe some kids will just naturally take longer because the questions are bigger. Maybe some kids have a smaller topic, and, that, and that's cool. So maybe they don't take as long. And what do you do with the kids, though, that um, just kind of faff about and they don't actually do anything? Well, that means there's probably a lack of passion for that project if they're faffing about. And that probably means that you need to move on to a project that they're more interested in or that they're more passionate about. If they're really taking their dead time on something, that means they've probably lost, lost interest in it. And we can delve into that more in another episode. We're going to talk about the specific issues that you could run into. Yeah, the challenges and the concerns you run into, yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's just, it just this idea that you should spend a generic structure for any genius hour time should be bring everyone together for a whole class mini lesson on a certain topic that is genius hour Related, whether that be a research topic, a presentation topic, how to take action in certain topics, and then you break, and then you break them off. Do a quick status of the class, find out where each kid is, find out, figure out which kids you need to conference with, and help move along, and figure out if there's any specialists that those kids need to contact to continue on with the project, and help guide them through that. And sometimes, in the lesson, you might pull a bunch of kids together who might need a lesson on how to email, or might need a lesson on what a good, what a good Google search is, and then you move them on again. 
so it ends up looking a bit like, if you're familiar with it, a Lucy Culkin's uh, style readers writers workshop lesson. Ah, okay. That may help narrow the look of it down for a lot of people. Well, that's episode three. Yeah. We're going to keep going in another episode, so tune in in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and the next one you you might be keen on is what are the challenges you're going to face when you hit Genius Hour time? And it's not always smooth sailing. No, it certainly is not. <laughs>